Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Joshua Spodek. Joshua is a two-time TEDx speaker and number one best-selling author of Initiative and Leadership, Step by Step. He's also the host of the award-winning Leadership and the Environment podcast and a professor at NYU. Joshua teaches and coaches leadership and entrepreneurship at NYU and Columbia Business School. He has spoken at Harvard, Princeton, West Point, and globally renowned corporations. It's his mission to help people live by their values, especially the environmental values, creating and finding joy, meaning, value, importance, purpose, passion, and other emotional reward in the process. Fun fact is that he hasn't flown by choice since March 2016, and he's picked up at least a piece of trash on the street since April 2017. And he takes over a year to produce a load of garbage. So with those words, welcome to the show, Joshua. Thank you. I'm going to add one more thing, which is that I buy food from Wenjay, who was a previous guest of yours, uh, local roots here in New York. And food is a huge piece of what I do. And, and her stuff is really delicious. Amazing. Yeah, I had, a, I had a blast with Wenjay and I think regenerative food systems and this idea of local sustainable food is, is a massive piece of, of the equation to, you know, a world that's, that's worth living in. And, and so tell us a little bit more, like you, you've, you've just like fully committed to embodying your values. Well, I don't know fully. I mean, it's, 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 you're always on a journey and you're trying. And what I found is that most of my life growing up, I felt like, you know, we should be more efficient and we should, uh, we should get nuclear fusion and we should all live as, as, uh, in, in small spaces so that we can either have urban or farms. And, and I was always, it didn't occur to me to actually myself do things. And then, I mean, I would turn off the light when I wasn't in the room and I would take public transportation and I very rarely take taxis and, you know, I bike around a lot, but I didn't really challenge myself. Those are things to be more efficient. Those are things that like, so a few years ago, there was a big change that happened. I, I, I looked down and noticed how much of my garbage, how, first of all, how much garbage I produced. It was a lot. And a lot of it was plastic. A lot of it is not gonna go away. And even the stuff that wasn't plastic, still there's a lot of waste. I mean, maybe a can is recyclable, but you had to melt aluminum to get a tomato. It, it, it seemed kind of weird to me. And it seemed, not necessarily necessary. And somehow I got in my head to challenge myself. Could I go for a week buying no packaged food? And it was the first of many, I mean, I'd done a lot of things before, like stopping eating meat and stopping eating hydrogenated oil and stopping corn syrup and things like that. But those are all things about me, my health. This was about others. I mean, it's actually easier for me if I get stuff that pollutes, if I get takeout but it pollutes other people's world. So it was my first time taking a challenge where it was about stewardship, although I didn't realize it yet. And I made it two and a half weeks before I bought my first packaged food. And it was enough time that a couple of key things happened. One was that I boiled beans on the stove for the first time. I'd never done that before. And that led me to, that started me on the path of cooking from scratch. And if mm. I looked at, if I thought about it before, I didn't really consciously think about it, but if I look back now, I thought my favorite food, my favorite foods were packaged. I like, for example, I eat a lot of pre-packaged, like the fake meats at Trader Joe's and various places. Now there's a lot more of them. Mm -hmm. And I thought 
well, I like those things. And besides, that's like a big source of, of my nutrition. What am I going to do otherwise? Now, for the week, I figured, you know, I could drink water for a week and not die. But cooking the beans enabled me to start cooking really from scratch. And I joined a CSA around the same time, coincidentally, which brought me all these new vegetables. And I went from a few times, uh, there were a few months of like, I have to say, really bland food. It was just steamed vegetables with salt and pepper. And that wasn't particularly delicious. But I stuck with it. And eventually, my food became really, I mean, for my tastes, incredibly delicious. It's, it's more varied. It's cheaper. It's more accessible. You know, people in a food desert could live just the same way and save even more money. And that's always been very important to me. Like, I don't want to do something that like only rich people can do. I'm not particularly rich. And, but I've, I've also like been jobless for a while. So I want to be able to have something that's sustainable in every way. And you mentioned the, the, the not flying. That emerged partly from this because I, I, I heard it, how much pollution flying cost. I, I heard a stat that flying New York LA round trip warmed the globe about a year's worth of driving. It depends on what kind of car you drive and how much you drive per day and that sort of thing. But, you know, for I have a science background within a factor of 10, that's about accurate. I don't have a car. I live in New York City. And I thought my pollution was much less than it was. But I was way over the, the Paris Agreement recommendations for, for per capita. I didn't like that. And I thought, well, can I go without flying? I thought immediately, no way. I got work. I got family. I like, I like to travel. It, it, it like benefits me. It benefits the world, making all these connections. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a stupid idea not to fly. And I thought, well, it's also what's warming the globe. And it's also supply lines that the military has to enforce. And there's like, you've seen the pictures of like Iraq oil fields going up in flames and stuff. And I thought, Am I, let's see if I can live by my values here. It worked so well with the food, this feeling of like, ah, it's not worth doing. Someone else should do it. That went away. That, that I thought if it works with the food, maybe it'll work here. And so this is the big thing is I keep, every time I have this feeling of like, I don't want to do that. Others should do it. Yeah, yeah, it's important to do, but I don't want to do it. I feel like, oh, that was with the food. That was with the flying. Picking up garbage is a joy. And at no point did I say, I'm going to become the most sustainable person or anything like that. I just kept trying things. And each time I did it, it's the same pattern. It's hard. I don't like it. Oh, I kind of get this. Oh, it's better. Why would I ever do it the other way? So I'm really curious at this point, what, what is it that creates this notion of it's, it's, it's better in quotation marks here? So like not flying, for example, um, I totally understand the, the environmental piece to it. And, you know, I'm personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for it because I have family and friends in so many places around the world. And I personally dream of, let's say, uh, electric airplanes or like the, the substitute version of it that, that kind of and nullifies our, our carbon imprint. But you're saying once you made this choice and you went through the pattern of the, maybe at first, like, oh my God, why am I doing this? What is the curve on the other side where you feel like it's actually worth it? Because now I'm creating a complete new way of being and feeling and connecting. There's been a big, what's the word, journey or discovery that when I first started doing this, and my first TEDx talk is called Find Your Delicious, because it's all about food. And I felt like my, my food became more delicious. Yes, it was cheaper. Yes, it was more accessible for people who don't have access to farmer's markets and stuff. But, or grocery stores or fast food. It's still, it's like, but most of all, it's delicious. I, I like, what I want more from food than anything else is it's delicious. You know, I don't want it to be poisonous or anything like that. 
And then I started finding joy in the other things that I did. And then it became community. It started connecting me with more people. And there was connection. So this has been the, like, it's been delicious, led to joy, led to community, led to connection. And now we're, it's all about family. People come over here. I host people here more than ever. In fact, probably in the past month or two, I probably had like, probably hosted people 30, 40, 50 times for meals here. And cumulatively, even feeding them, I probably spent less than I would just eating out one time. So if I, so what does better mean? When I say better, I mean better by my values because I don't know how other people live. So by what makes me feel like I like my life more, it's all of that. Despite beforehand, I also felt like, well, we should just make planes solar and power them with solar or, or, or fusion or something like that. But now I realize that, oh man, it's a lot to go into. It's hard to describe for someone who, the, the, by, the best I can come up with is, is with an analogy. If, if someone who plays piano, at first you're, you're, you're playing scales, you know, someone has to tell you, play for an hour, play scales for an hour, and you're playing really boring stuff. It's like the same thing over and over again. Or for me, it's more like sports. You got to run drills. You got to, like, it really is annoying to run a defensive drill in a sport where the, the other players are going to keep trying to score on you. And you mm -hmm. get scored on and scored on and scored on and scored on. But it reveals in you what you need to learn. And then you learn. On the other side of all that practice, whether it's practicing ground strokes for tennis or dribbling for basketball, or um, if you're going to be an artist, you got to do, you got to do a lot of sketches eventually the lower level stuff goes away and you're not thinking about not flying. You're not thinking about dribbling. You're thinking about what do I want to do? What do I want to do in this game? What do I want to do with my teammates? What do I want to do against this opponent? What do I want to do? Or it doesn't have to be an opponent. It could be like running. Right. Like, what so do what, like? what do I want to connect in my community? Yeah. Is that and what it, the notion that you, comes keep, up? you keep getting to higher and higher levels of how do I want to interact with the people around me? What do I want to say? Who am I? What is this about? And that comes through repetition, through practice and rehearsal. And every day, I'm, when I go shopping, I'm like, what am I going to, am I going to accept this rubber band around this kale from the farmer's market? Am I going to, or am I going to challenge myself to not do it? Actually, the last time I bought kale from a, at the farmer's market, there was a rubber band. I gave it back to the guy and we talked. And so there's connection. I'm doing something that's not the normal thing, but it's because of something inside me. And the more that I live by my values, the more that I live by the things that I care about, the more that I do things that when I'm calm, I will say, I'm glad I did that. Not stress, you know, when you're stressed, you, priorities change, but when I'm calm, those are the ones that are lasting, enduring feelings. So in the moment I might say, oh, I'm in a hurry. I just, I'll just take that. Like, I, I'm going to run. I'm going to keep the rubber band. I'll do something with it later. And actually rubber bands are an easy case because I take them to the market and other, I know places that are like, there was out of rubber bands. So I bring the rubber bands and I was really happy. But let's say, it's, say there was a sticker on it that just goes into the trash. It's small. I could easily say, I'm going to hurry. Don't bother. Or something big. Like I get invited to speak at a conference and it would take me like three days to take the train there. That's something that's, or, or I don't go. So if I don't go, what do I do instead? Do I, am I going to replace going to the conference with sitting in the corner, staring at the, at the wall and crying? I'm not going to do that. Actually, in that case, it's what faith 
do I have in myself to make my life so that I look back and I'm glad that I did that. And over and over again, I'm able to do that and replace something that would be nice if it didn't pollute, but pollutes more than I'm willing to accept for myself. And then I look back and I, it's, I, when I challenge myself, the more that I'm swimming upstream, but doing something that I consider important for myself. I've done a lot of things in life. I've done, I mean, you read this stuff. It's, this has been some of the most grow, growing, learning about myself, connecting with others. I'm way closer to my family now as a result of being here. Of course, what that means is I've made my peace. There are some people I'm never gonna see again. I mean, they, maybe they'll come to New York and I'll see them here. Right. But you said you have all these people all around the world that you wanna see. There's more that you can see in your lifetime, no matter what. If you're spending time with one, you're not spending time with another. Not flying doesn't change that. Yeah. That was there beforehand. Thinking that you could, to me, is that's a misunderstanding that messes up, that messed up my life. That I was always chasing, 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 chasing more, 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 more. And so you see, this is, this is why this conversation is so interesting. I don't think this is a conversation about what uh, is right or wrong in the sense of like, if, if, if we uh, need to stop flying or if we um, should all be flying. I mean, this is an example that you've chosen to do, but the exciting and interesting and curious point for me is that in a lot of the convergences, convergences meetings um, and events that, you know, these topics come up of how can we create a more sustainable world? How can we create a, a, a world that works for everyone? Um, where people are ready to dive deeply into that. What seems to be the number one factor is just the way we are actually behaving, feeling and connecting to our, our own everyday life. So if, if we're still chasing, chasing, chasing just to create an outcome, it's very improbable with this old mindset to create a new kind of reality that actually creates an integral shift. And so in order to create an integral shift, first, what needs to change is, is our behaviors, our mindset, our, our ease of mind and our ease of being. And so I think, um, you know, your example there, Joshua, it seems to be, to me, it's very curious how these like very drastic decisions and choices have showed you certain elements of learning and growth that are absolutely vital for, for us at a larger scale to create a society that, that you know, it's actually making space for, for what's truly valuable, which is human connection, which is community, which is a form of um, thriving that involves thriving together. I would make it even more personal that it's not, it's just our own inner peace, our own joy, our own thriving. You said drastic. From my perspective, I, five years ago, if someone, if someone said to me, why don't you not fly, consider not flying, I would say, that sounds drastic. That sounds absolutely impossible. But to me now, it doesn't sound drastic at all. I, I was at a Thanksgiving party, no, a holiday party at a friend's place. And they had a pile of pl paper plates. And everyone would go pick up a paper plate, go to the hors d'oeuvres and put a few down on the plate. Then they'd eat a bunch, leave the paper plate on the table. Someone would clear off that paper plate. They'd pick up another paper plate. And like people go through like five or 10 a night. And I'm just watching it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna at a poly party make a, make a deal out of it. But what's going on here? It's like, like mm -hmm. that seems to me drastic. That seems to me- Absolutely. Crazy. And you know, they're not noticing at all. But to me, to them, I look crazy. So 
like that I would bring my own fork with me. <laughs> that to me, it's like, that's not drastic. I, once I remember sitting down to uh, a lunch at NYU and I got on my fork and my friend said, don't you think that's a little much? And I look at his plastic fork. I'm like, don't you think that's a little much? That's what I thought. I didn't say it, but I was like, I just said a fork in my bag. I, I wouldn't even notice it there. It's not like it, it, it's hardly pain to bring it around. And from one system, another system may look drastic, but once you get into that, like I used to go out partying a lot. All my friends went party. I mean, I had friends that we would all go partying. And if you said, why don't you stay on a Friday night and like change someone's diapers? They'd be like, I don't want, what, are you crazy? This is fun. But then they have a baby and they're like, oh, why would I go partying? This, this, that partying seems crazy now. And I think that when people start behaving this way, especially against resistance, internal and cultural, that they will feel, they will also find that stewardship, taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others is one of the most, I mean, it makes you, it's a part, you are part of something greater than yourself, greater than all of us. I don't think that if Buddha were alive today, that's a weird statement. You know, if Siddhartha was around today, he wouldn't say, ah, now I'm even happier. Now that I can fly, I'm even happier. I think more likely he would say, all right, all my techniques, let's use them here because flying is, a, is another distraction or, or another perspective. I don't think future generations will look back at us and envy that we were just at the drop of a hat decide to do something that we enjoyed and not care about how it affected others and just be like, oh, great, I can do this. I, can, I want to go to a party in Miami tonight. I'm going to go. I think that they will look back at us with horror. How could you choose? Yeah, of course you want to see those things. Of course you want to see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, you want to see the Grand Canyon. Yeah, you want to see this friend and that friend and this friend. You got all these family all over the world. Can't miss any funerals. No, 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 that would be horrible. I think they'd look back and say, are you nuts? Look at the world you left us. What happened to the caring about other people? That's is the whole thing about you're going to these places to either improve yourself or connect with someone. There's people all over you can connect with and you're everywhere. The potential is infinite. I don't know how this sounds. I, I'm kind no, of- No, I, I, love, I, love, I love where you're taking this. I think this is, this is very interesting um, inquiry. So do you think that living in New York played a very positive role in like making that experiment? Because New York is after all, one of the world's largest cities, one of the cities that, you know, attracts most people to, to come and go. So there's always an influx of not just interesting people, but also interesting opportunities around you. Well, it matches. I don't think there's a good or bad of where to live. I think it's a match or don't match. So New York matches me. I know plenty of people who can't stand New York. And if they're living in New York, that's a problem. And if they feel that they have to get away all the time, that's a problem that if you're simply traveling all the time, well, if you're traveling by bike or by sailboat, great. But if you're, if, if you're imposing on others pollution and global warming and supply lines that military have to maintain, just so you can live in a place that you don't want to live, that's a problem. And I think better to reveal that, raise it up to a higher level. We're like, oh, I got to fix this. What does it say? And, and if you live in Oklahoma City, I don't just pick some random place and you love it there, you'll do what works for you in that place. Presumably for you, 
Oh. You don't want to take the seven train out to Queens and eat in some crazy restaurant you've never heard of before. People here probably do. I don't know. But so if you live in a place that you don't like, fix that. It, without, I mean, if, if you live in a place you don't like and your way of fixing it is imposing, is, is polluting everyone's world. I think you're missing out on, on the stewardship angle, which I think is, is probably you'll prefer when you act on it. Yeah, but so if you the like where you are, no, please go if ahead. If you like where you are I'm just so and no problem, great. But what does it say? Everyone I know feels compelled to leave where they are at least a thousand miles away, at least once or twice a year. What does that do to a community when every single person in that community runs away at huge pollution, what problems get left unsolved? What intimacy doesn't happen? What, what does that say when you know everyone wants to leave you all the time, that you want to leave everyone all the time? Is that, is that building community? People say, well, I have friends all over the world. So now you, have a whole, you want to leave them all the time. It, it's, I, the, what I'm saying now, I, I, I suppose it's questions that might, probably most people will hear this and say, Josh doesn't understand how valuable it is to see the world and to challenge yourself by going to other cultures and so forth. That also, I know that I talk to people and they look at my stews that I eat a lot of and to them, broccoli, cauliflower, same thing. Zucchini, same thing. Vegetables, a beet. Like to me, those are wildly different things to me before they were, uh, I don't know. I never bought those things on their own. And so they say that I don't have much variety in my diet, but to me, every couple of weeks, I go to the farmer's market and there's a new bunch of stuff. And when Jay, oh my God, the variety that comes from her stuff. I'm not trying to plug her, but like, I can't let, not say that like, she sources from lots of different places and it brings like a huge variety of stuff that I never would have gotten before. And I love that. But I look at what they eat and I see Fruit Loops and Count Chocula, you know, one's like the colorful cereal and one's the brown one. And to me, they're, Mm-hmm. exactly the same and to other people that's very different and so they look at me and think broccoli cauliflower same thing i look at them and say like burger king wendy's same thing so people who are looking at me and saying josh doesn't get it i try it go for going for a year without flying or going for a week without any packaging no rubber bands no stickers no no bags I mean, I, I bring a bag with me to the bulk food store and, and fill up of course, and yeah. weigh the stuff there. And so, and so here, here's, again, why, why this, this is such an, an interesting and curious inquiry and conversation to follow. I think, you know, there's, there's this code floating around the internet that we don't need 100 people to do zero waste perfectly, but we need um, like 100 million people to do zero waste really, really well, you know? So it's not about one example being the one example that every human should follow because we're seven to eight billion people on this planet diversity doesn't just mean the way we look in our ethnic ethnic background but it also means the way we express the way we're curious the way we have different interests and pursue different curiosities but that being said there's there's a very obvious tendency in our world of overconsumption and and mindless kind of drifting that is kind of the opposite of being in stewardship for earth or stewardship for community and so I very much appreciate your angle and the insight into your world that is, is just putting, um, yeah, like quite a bit more focus on things that are, as you said, they're, 
they might seem normal, just like it was normal to you five years ago to say, oh, no way, I could not live without flying. And now in the new normal that you live, not flying is suddenly a blessing because you've embraced it all the way. What I'm curious about, though, yeah. I I pulled at the the piece of yarn and it kept coming, coming, and the whole sweater unraveled. And now I see something that I didn't see before and I feel something I didn't feel before. I want to also clarify something that what I do for myself, I have no uh, uh, misperceptions that it's any more than one person out of a billion. I don't think that, because a lot of people say to me, Josh, you know, you cannot fly all you want. All you're doing is missing out on the Eiffel Tower because lots of other people are flying. It's like, it's like nothing. And I recognize that one divided by 7 billion is a very small number, but I don't confuse. I separately try to lead others. I believe that that's what my podcast is about. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that me, I'm happy if people use me as a role model and I hope they do, but I don't pretend that me behaving this way is influencing more people than just me. Separately, I try to influence them. But I believe that if I tried to influence them, and I myself did not do what I suggested that they do, I think my credibility would be very low. And I think that I would be ineffective, or rather I'd be effective in getting people to tell other people what to do without themselves doing it. So me doing it is, it's just, it's just opening the door to the possibility of influencing others effectively. Because I don't think, I, I don't see anyone else doing it. I, I don't see anyone else saying, do, like, everyone else seems to be saying, like, do, like, cut your emissions while they themselves haven't. And I think, therefore, they can't spread the joy and community and connection that comes with it. And the vision of the world that can come from, you know, you do have to do some ripping off of the Band-Aid. That there are, you, you have got to come to terms that you're not going to see certain people. Sadly, for better or for worse, we grew up in a world with systems. Well, I mean, if, if we look at it on a global scale, I mean, there is, you know, about 6 billion passenger flights a year right now. I um, just, just looked up the, the most recent stats before we hopped in this conversation. And 6 billion passenger flights a year doesn't even mean that 6 billion people. It means multiple people flying several times, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's actually billions of people in the world that do not fly at all well, because people, they either yeah. can't afford it or they're not, they don't have access to it, right? So it is definitely a convenience of the modern age. And so like any of our behaviors in the modern age, I mean, we will have to challenge them profoundly as we're taking, you know, our, our environmental imprint and also simply the, the, the level of pollution in the society we're creating. But what I'm curious about, Josh, at this point is, what would be three takeaway experiences that people could implement in their life, even if it was just for a week. You were mentioning like go without creating any plastic garbage for a week. That would be a a great step maybe for people to take on as a challenge. What else comes to mind for you that is like such a normal for you now, but is possibly something that that people never think about? What I found in in trying to influence others is that more than what they do is their motivations and that's why I do leadership in the environment. If I were to say, try X and someone complied with it, that would be what I would call management. And management is about behaviors, observable things. And the goal of a manager is to get compliance. A leader is about emotions and motivations. So a lot of people, if I say, don't fly, they will think, oh, but I have to. I, don't, I do not want to excite that in others. I don't want, so what I do on my podcast 
is I ask people, what does the environment mean to you? And almost always people respond with something abstract. Everyone's been ambushed and made to feel guilt or tried to be shamed or something like that. And, and everyone protects these things. If there's anything, it would be to sit down with someone that, you, that is supportive and go back and forth with them and ask them, what does the environment mean to you? And they're going to give some, ultimately, when, like when you act on the, I'm going to do it with you. Is the environment something important with you? Well, absolutely. The environment is part of who I am because I'm part of the environment in which I live in, in which I walk through, in which I build community and have relationships. So I would see the environment as not an external part of me, but a part of the larger self. So when you act on something and the environment motivates you, what, what do you think about? What, what's, what do you think about when you think about the environment? Well, the environment has multiple layers for me. The environment could be the natural world, but it could also be the, 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 the human world that is kind of an extension of the natural world. But it could also be just my immediate surrounding in the sense of like the house and the garden I'm in. So it, it depends on which layer we're talking about. But what I think about, to answer the question more specifically, um, Let's yeah, say the natural think, world, focusing there. The, nat the natural world. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I, I think personally, I think about it in, in twofold, generalizing. It's, there's, there's this piece where I'm a part of this natural world. So me as a human having an imprint is essential, normal, and vital to the, the natural world around me. Just like the bees are having an imprint in their role and job in the, in the natural world, humans have a role in this natural world. And then the second, I said it's twofold, the second part of it is, is, is me and the environment and how much I actually can just let the environment, the natural world be what it is. So it's, I'm personally continuously pondering this um, kind of duality and the paradox within that duality where it's my footprint is an essential part of this planet, right? Because uh, this planet- I, I, Sorry to interrupt, uh, but there's a point where you said generalizing can you go the other direction and specify? Are there any images that come to your mind? Are there feelings that are specific? Are yeah, there memories? Are there no, people there, there that you is, so, so for example, like, I mean, I'm not entirely sure where this inquiry is going to lead us, but I'm, I'm happy to give it a, give it a shot on uh, the recording. So for example, yesterday, um, I went for a walk with a dear friend of mine. And she was sharing with me um, about what was going on in her mind and her heart about family. And we were passing a tree. And this tree specifically called my attention. It was like as if it was speaking to me. And so what happened was I started understanding in that moment that I wanted to connect with this tree, listen to this tree, talk to this tree, bring her attention from where our shared emotional state was at into just a connection with this tree. And what happened was, well, we both actually did. I didn't hug it, um, but I, we, we touched it and like stood there for a few minutes. And it felt like our energy fields or our emotional fields were connecting with the tree. And therefore, actually, the tension of what was there before completely eliminated. And um, the tension in her emotional sharing from, from right before. And it basically turned into like, a way of like as if we were talking well in my world we were talking with a tree but as if we were talking with a tree on a subtle level of, of energy and so that was, it would be a specific example how i interact or think of the environment meanwhile though i was walking through the human designed world so after we said goodbye to that specific tree 
we were still on the sidewalk in a mainly concrete uh, city. I sense that this, so I, I sense that this wasn't the first time you ever did something like that. I, I sense that there's some yeah, expectation. This, this, this is my normal. <laughs> so where did that be? Where does that come from? Um, well, I, you know, I, I have the fundamental belief that nature is our primary teacher on this planet. And so, um, if you go access this knowledge through, you know, shamanic lineages or, or, or plant knowledge, or if you access it through memories of your childhood, I believe in an absolute interconnectedness between human and nature. And so there is, there are countless memories of how nature, either animals or trees or plants connect, sing or talk to me and vice versa. Give me, give me one example. Um, well, the easiest example is my, my own childhood. I grew up um, about like, a hundred steps in meters or yards doesn't matter a hundred steps away from what we call a biotope and uh, um, I'm not sure if that's the same word in English but basically it's, it's a living ecosystem at the edge of a, a, a semi-urban or suburban village and so you know the easiest example was as children we would we would just go into that biotope region and like wash the waterways and flows and then and build little water dams and, and play and manipulate nature in a way that actually taught us um, what we can do and what we can't do. Um, yeah, that, that was certainly good memories. <laughs> and earlier you said something about nature is a teacher or we learn from nature. And it feels like this is part of the origin of that, of that, that general well, principle. Nature is, I believe nature is our primary teacher. There is a reason why we're living in an ecosystem, right? So um, doesn't mean I don't enjoy and like parts of the technology we've built out of nature, but I believe the rhythms and the cycles of nature and therefore through biomimicry, we can learn lots, you know, to simplify it. But, but basically it, it teaches us about our own body, about our own being, about our own communities and about the way we interact with each other. And do I sense also, I, okay, I'm picking up, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's a connection with you, with nature that it, it it teaches you, you learn, not just you, but all of us. And the, the way you're saying it in the past tense, I, I sense also that there's a, a losing of this. Maybe it might go away if we don't, if we're not careful. No, it, so for me, it's very much a present experience. I mean, um, it's off the camera and the recording, but there's this beautiful little pot with succulents in there. And like, they're definitely talking to me while I'm having a, um, a conversation with you. So for me, it's a present tense experience that I'm part of nature. Like we are nature in that sense, right? Like there is no externalizing of the natural world. Um, at a larger society scale, I do believe the human species at large has made the choice um, to follow very much our mind's dialogue that can create separation or the illusion of separation from nature. And therefore, you know, the abstraction that we build out of technology, but Technically speaking, we're still nature, even if we build cell phones and airplanes. However, as we've discussed in the earlier part of this dialogue, it feels like there is, there is a limit to that creation that creates at a certain point, you know, the natural world is regenerative. And, and so the natural world has cycles of life and um, the polluting technological world we've created, unfortunately, has much, much vaster and larger cycles of life. So for plastic to decompose or for um, metal or to decompose, it's, it's just like a much larger cycle, if, if at all. And so I don't believe we can run that kind of society forever. We've, we've been treating the world around us 
um, through a very capitalistic lens of like, if it doesn't work, just buy a new one, right? And, and so that, mm-hmm. that there's a problem with that, I believe in, 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 in the thinking and, and my understanding of nature and the way I connect with it right here, right now today, is that nature doesn't really work like it, that. It, it has um, a natural way of regenerating. And, and when we align and attune to that, completely different things become possible. Now, I'm, a lot of people say, Josh, you're perfect or something like that. I, I have no idea why they say this. It's obviously not the case. But there are times when I'm like, I, I'm, I make concessions to the world. You know, I'm in a hurry or I got to, whatever, I, I do stuff. And I look for occasions where I can live by, I mean, I, I don't see the world exactly how you do, but it's enough, close enough that I think I can fairly say that there are times when um, I, I, I go in with the industrial way, even though I wish I didn't. But also there are times when one by one, I, I find things that, where I would do that and I see, how can I not do that? And I wonder if, given what you said about your views, if, if there's something, well, I invite you at your option to think of something where you've done something like that. And even if it's just once that you know this difference in yourself to try not that and see what you can do instead. I'm sure you're doing that already. Oh, there's countless moments, you know? So in a nutshell, I believe it matters what we do. It truly matters. And following that thought, we're not just individuals. We're a super organism of of humans. And so that's what I tried to say earlier with it. We don't need 100 people to do zero waste perfectly, but we need 100 million people to find a way that actually works on a larger scale. And so I believe... it in our almost country. bothers me. It's like, why did it have to be one or the other? Let's uh, people want to do everything, do everything. People want to do a little bit, oh, do a yeah, little bit. No, like, of course, it's yeah. it's just a it's just a metaphor to um, to kind of steer away from pretending to create perfect because perfect doesn't exist. We're in a perfectly imperfect world, and so it's a spiral of of um, expansion, right? And so in that expansion, it's become obvious at this point that. Um, at some point we'll have to stop producing plastic and at some point we'll have to find a way possibly through microfungi or, or mycelium to um, well okay you're talking about we decompose the the plastic mm-hmm. so you asked me this is all in my answering the question of what can we do and if i were to suggest something for someone to do that didn't resonate with what they really cared about generally i get pushback almost always if someone says to me What's one thing I can do? If I answer that question with one thing that they can do, their answer to me, at least 90% of the time is, ah, but I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. Because I've not, there's nothing I can say to someone that they have not heard before. Eating less meat and flying less and getting less plastic and stuff. Everyone's heard every possible tip before. What I was trying to do with you was to get to something that matters to you and give you something to act on based on your caring, your passion, your motivation that was there before me. And so when I suggested to do something that you could come up with, you start talking about generalities. But if I really focused and said, what's one, you come up with something that you could do, doesn't have to be long for a long time, doesn't have to make a big difference. But if you care about it over and over again, listen to my podcast over and over again, people have the same response that you did in their world. I mean, coming from the same motivation of like, oh, but if, yeah, we have to do all this stuff for the whole world. Yeah, maybe. But when they think of something that acting on what they care about and doing something based on their caring, based on inside them, that I don't know what it is until, I, until they tell me. And I have to go back and forth and be very supportive in hearing their answer. Well, then, so here's, 
I understand where you where you're going with this, but but here here's the thing: when when you ask about something additional, I can only speak about what I haven't yet integrated. Like if we talk about what I've already integrated, like let's say choosing the non-plastic option every time I can, or choosing um, the the not fast fashion product, but a a product that's possibly created organic or possibly created in, in, in fair circumstances or choosing fair We're trade. We're not buying anything, which these are all things I'm, I'm, I'm doing day in, day out. Sometimes I don't, but most of the time it's, it's not just my preference, but also the choice I make, even if it's harder. And so there is a degree of how I do more and more of that personally. And I think, um, that's 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 been there before we started this conversation more of that will definitely take place in my life and at the same time josh i truly believe we are individuals embodying and acting and we are a collective we are a super organism right and so as a super organism we're playing out a certain version of humanity right now and it is in the in the middle of a shift because these conversations like we're having and the people that are listening and the, the people that get inspired by this or even if people get triggered by this that's that's a, that's a good thing right because we get triggered into making new choices and at some point that will that will also then connect to the generality which i was which i was kind of going so into as my first when sense. someone listen to then i would say listen to a few of my podcast episodes with guests mm -hmm. uh with john lee dumas with lorna davis with Dove Baron, because when someone goes the next step to actually, you're right now still, this won't make sense until someone listens and here's the pattern. When, yeah, I you if I worked that. with you until you picked something specific that you would do, your way of talking would change from, we're part of a super organism. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But when you say one more thing that you're gonna do, and right now your mindset is, I'm already doing a lot. Josh wants me to, be, to, to do more. I have limited resources. And this is going to drain my resources or something like that. But when people... Is that really true to, that that is my mindset? Yeah. And when people get to the other side of it, then they generally start realizing this is something... It, it switches to being like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. I could do that. And they want to do more. And probably the things, the things that you've done, you're staying doing. Hmm. I didn't know that avoiding packaged food would create more diversity in my food. It would save me money. It would save me time until I did it. When I actually those. decided to do it, it was about doing. So mm. if you listen to my, if you, Julian, listen to my podcast a few times and you'll probably hear people saying something very similar to what you just said to me in their language, in their world. And then in most of the cases, you'll hear them get to, this switch that happens and they go, you know, I have been meaning to do this one thing for a long time that I don't know to listeners. I have no idea what their equivalent of you with the making the little dams and the streams and stuff like that. I don't know what their equivalent is. Yeah. It's but, an interesting inquiry. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I'm fully with you that, that you described my personal mindset accurately. Um, definitely there, there is, let me pick a very specific example. So the next time I'm faced with, um, could I buy another T-shirt um, created in Bangladesh or can I buy another T-shirt created locally with organic uh, cotton or can I not buy anything at all? Um, I'm, I'm going to choose not buying at all, which is one of the many things I've, I've been, been doing for years, but I'm going to continue to choose it, right? 
there's a plentitude of examples that, that we can talk about, but I think there's an equal importance about the individual cosmos and the collective cosmos. And as, you know, opinions go, everyone is entitled to a different opinion. So I think um, the inquiry is very important and very powerful and very inspiring. And I'm really grateful for, for having gone through this inquiry. In regards to time on this recording of this mm -hmm. wonderful uh, interview, we're kind of coming to the end of it. So if there's any thought you'd like to finish or anything you'd like to share or wrap up, um, absolutely more than welcome to do that. Yeah, it's really hard simply by introspection to get to really deep stuff. And, but I found that talking with others who are supportive can help bring out things. If the person is supportive, mildly challenging sometimes, but really looking into like helping you get to what's deeper. And all of what I'm doing is all about acting on what I care about. And I don't, if people try to act on what I care about, that won't make sense to them. If they really get to what's inside, everything changes to where it's, you want, like I look forward to finding things that I'm not doing because I used to think, oh, what next? All right, I, I, I'm doing the straws, what else? Like, but then it becomes, what else? And that is just, it's a joy. The environment is, is such a great teacher to, as you put it, and infinitely. I mean, the, there's no shortage of what we can get from it, including more than what we think we're giving up when we disregard it or choose other things over it. I don't know how that'll sound. Sounded just fine. Thank you so much for your time for this recording, Joshua. We might have to do another one and take much more time to set aside because there's so much depth in this inquiry. And definitely people check out Josh's podcast. Make sure you listen to some of those episodes, track those patterns, and yeah, act on what you're inspired on. Thank you. that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins we're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. 
because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of inside evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.